Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to Watching Westworld, the officially unofficial podcast for Westworld on HBO. I'm Jim. I'm Aaron. And today we're talking season four, episode five, Schwangza. Uh, that's, that's how I've heard it pronounced, so I'm sticking with it. Aaron, how'd you feel after subsequent watches of this? I liked it. It was a real treat to see everybody enjoying it in real time. Uh, <laughs> uh-huh. Uh, multiple people in the subreddits and whatnot saying it's like uh, the greatest episode of Westworld. I don't know about that. But it's a pretty damn good episode of Westworld. It's exactly yeah. the direction I want it to be heading in. It's exactly the things wrestling with things that I want to see it wrestle with. Uh, it wasn't perfect. It did do like you know we mentioned on instant take. I that that bur- the the aborted bur- burly brawl uh-huh. scene uh, especially and, yeah, and just thinking weak. through. And then like there's a couple. I, I saw a couple theories that might make some of this stuff make a little bit more sense. Um, but I, yeah, I, I liked it. I think that, mm-hmm. uh, going into the back half, I love having this much information and still not clearly knowing what the hell is going on. Like to <laughs> me, that's, that's, I'm in prime Westworld pocket, you know, but sure. I'm still engaged. I, and, and I deeply care about multiple storylines resolution. How about you? Yeah. And it's felt pretty well paced too. I'm, I'm excited to get to what Bernard is doing. Uh, we've, you know, we got to come back to Caleb, I assume, uh, at some point. So that'll be interesting too. see how he adjusts to this new world uh, and his new body. But yeah, I thought this was a great episode, um, especially after digging into it further and contextualizing it with the, the title. Um, I think is very important to what we're what we're on about here. Uh, and just like we're grappling with these questions that humanity has always grappled with in the form of hosts um and and this idea of you know transformation and how that's not going according to plan and is a plan even a plan or what's you know what's i feel like there's a lot of like fulfilled purpose being sort of dissatisfying especially to to william um and like i said that's that's something that humanity grapples with right once you get the thing that you wanted mm. is it actually satisfying to have that thing mm-hmm. Or mm-hmm. do you just want for the next thing? Um, and yeah, it seems like the 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 ends are not the goal. The 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 goal is the goal in a certain in point of view, right? Yeah. Uh, so there's yeah, they're just grappling with a lot of existential questions about being human or being intelligent, I suppose. Yeah. That that I find compelling. Yeah. 
No, I like all this. The the I've always been attracted to the philosophical underpinnings of this show more than I, just almost uh, anything else. Like, yeah, I like the slick sci-fi action. I like, oh yeah, you know the the meditations of transhumanism, but just like the philosophy of like, what do you do when when you've done everything that you wanted to in life and it still seems empty and hollow and meaningless? Yeah. Or what do you do if you're stuck in a situation where you're suffering and there doesn't seem like there's any way out of it that you have any control over? Um, yeah. Where does purpose and, come from? What's the point of it all? Yeah. Um, all and, and I feel like um, Western ph- philosophical thought has not grappled with that as much as some of the Eastern stuff does. I'm not sure why that is, because like it seems like the Western philosophy is about betterment and actualization and, you know, getting out there and, and, and doing things. Um, and the Eastern side is more of like being content with what is happening, realizing that you don't have any control uh, over a, a broad, you know, reach of your life. And there's always uh, larger concerns and communal dessert. So like, uh, and then, you know, Schwangza, the, the episode uh, title, um, I think is a key to kind of like where the showrunners minds are at. Mm hmm. You know, uh, because this guy had, you know, 2000 plus years ago, some answers in terms of like, you know, when you should stop following it. Do you want to talk about Schwangza? Did you? Um, yeah. You- tell, tell people like what it is, first of all, uh, what the title is in reference to. And then, yeah, maybe how it relates to this episode a bit. So Swang, Schwangza literally means Master Schwang in Chinese. Uh, and he is a third uh, is it's also the name of a third century BC book that's attributed to him that has uh, 33, I think 33, maybe 34 chapters in it um, that contains a bunch of like anecdotes, stories, allegories, parables that attempt to illustrate the falseness of the distinction between good and bad, large and small life and death, human and nature. And while other contemporary philosophers of her day, his day was focused on, you know, a person's moral and res- and personal duty and responsibility, Schwangza promoted uh, a life of like wandering and becoming one with the way, uh, which is Tao. It literally means the way uh, by following nature. One of the two, uh, I guess, grandfathers of Tao, uh, in addition to Laozi, um, the Someone, so the, there's there's a lot more to talk about. One of his uh, most famous proverbs is, or, or, or stories is where he dreamt that he was a butterfly, and when he awoken uh, as Schwanza, uh, um, realizing that he couldn't tell the di- the difference between him being a man dreaming he's a butterfly and him being a butterfly dreaming that he's a man, mm-hmm. which is uh, very very Westworldy. Now, oh, yeah. someone on the subreddit r slash Westworld pointed out that uh, the book, the Schwangza, the book, Master Schwan, has 33 chapters. This is the 33rd episode of Westworld. And that, yeah, yeah that, that, that chapter is, uh, you, when you translate it, means all under heaven. And it describes the entire geographic world and metaphysical realm uh, of, of mortals. Um and the first line reads, the methods employed in the regulation of the world are many, and the regulators each think that the efficiency of their own method leaves nothing to be added to it, which seems very applicable to Hale and her perfect world that she's constructed. Mm-hmm. You know, like, by what measure perfection? Who is the judge? And it seems like the answer is just all Hale. It's Hale, 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 Hale. Like, she's surrounded by a, a, an army of Hale clones, 
which are also, you know, there's another way of saying Dolores clones. And they're all disappointing her, which means she's disappointing her, which I think is where the violence towards her own flesh is coming from. That there's this self-loathing, self-hatred. Right. That Uh, irony being that, you know, she's created this perfect world and yet she's extremely bored by it. Yeah. It's unsatisfying. Uh, but that story about the butterfly and like who's you know who can tell who's the one dreaming and who's the dreamer is just another uh, like all these parables are like how can there's a false dichotomy how can you tell the difference between life and what's the difference between life and death the difference between you know being awake being asleep rich and poor um, and that's that's the reason I love the the it's not quite the final scene but when you know Man in Black thaws out William and is asking him all these existential questions like. That idea that, um, you know, he's questioning the nature of his own reality in, in that very, you know, Schwang's a butterfly kind of way. Um, mm-hmm. It's and the, the William has no answers for him. Right. He's just like, welcome to the center of the maze. Like this is. Yeah, this is being a thinking, intelligent being. Uh, and if there is no purpose in the universe, that's just the state of it, you know, and you can either kill yourself or you can somehow learn to live with that. And I. I like how we see that also um, all of the hosts in this perfect world are kind of, you know, stuck in in the desires of the flesh, right? And there might be a certain kind of comfort in that too, because you can distract yourself from the existential issues of life. Um, and I think that's that's part of it, right? You you just get used to you just get used to the idea, and when it becomes too much for you, you figure out a way to just kind of take your mind off of it. Yeah. Did you see the one, the one of his parables about his, his wife dying and and his students coming and finding him beating a drum and singing songs? Huh? Yeah. So the, the story is that uh, his his students had heard that his beloved wife had died and he's an an old man and they were going to go see him and he was sitting on the ground beating it and they they thought he would be either grief stricken or very stoic, but he was beating a drum and singing a song about essentially his, his wife, like eulogizing her that she was born and she had these children and that, and they're like, this seems like excessive somehow like this, this like, you know, if you were crying or whatever, but like this, like this is celebration, what gives? And he's like, well, I was very sad, but I started thinking about it. At one point, my wife was not a soul, and then she became uh, a soul. And then my wife had no body, and she was given a body. And then at one point, my wife was not born yet, and she was born, and now she's died. And there has, yeah. like, this is just a fundamental, like, uh, like, like he, he likened it to the four seasons, you know, this is just it's this cycle of birth and redead and she's gone now. But what does that even mean? And what did it mean before? I thought that was like really interesting in terms of these hosts talking about ascending and being stuck in ruts and being, you know, a two year, you know, just being born yesterday, literally in some of these cases, uh, like was a hope. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, yeah, I again, maybe it's because the stuff is all relatively new to me, but I, I really admire a lot of that, that Eastern thought. You know, not necessarily a stoicism, but like an acceptance of uh-huh. yeah. the, it's, it's the, the, the things you can't change. And, you, and yes. you just fall in line with it. Yeah. Yeah. You can kick against it, but it's only <laughs> going to make you angrier and, uh, and, and increase your suffering, everyone's suffering in the long term. And that's uh, what Hale has been doing, right? Trying to create yes. a perfect world order here uh, is very much kicking against nature. Um, yeah. 
and and she's you know trying to accept some of it but she's got an idea of where she wants her people to go yeah they're not fucking going there and it's really right. annoying her but like she also doesn't want to force them to and i think that's like the one saving grace here for her character is that yeah, she's not willing parents, to just mind control everyone and force them down a path it's the parents dilemma you want your children to do right uh-huh. and to be happy but you can't force them uh and attempts to try fuck things up like and you also yeah. have to at some point you know at the end of the day you do the best you do and it's up to them like and you have to accept yeah. that because again something you have zero control over ultimately mm-hmm Something that uh, she hasn't learned in, in 23 years of parenting yet. No, uh, honestly, she feels like she's less evolved in that regard than William is uh, or Man of Black. You know, um, he's yeah. actually starting to question. And I love this this flower that kind of goes through the entire episode here. Yeah, um, he's representative of sort of this, you know, virus of the mind uh, that humanity spreads to his kind, as he calls it. Because, um, yeah, he he's further along that path than she is, certainly. Yeah, there's also because uh, I believe that's a daisy piece. Of, I don't know a daisy from a black eyed Susan from a <laughs> hydrangenous or whatever. Uh, I but, but I was asserted that it was. And if so, uh, you'll recall from our 2001 podcast that that uh, that that daisy song is the one of the first things IBM taught their mainframe to sing. And it was the lat, and it was uh, speculated that uh, that was also, you know, uh, somewhere dimly in Hal's memory banks. And when he was being erased, that's what he ended up going out singing a mm-hmm. uh, more and more corrupted version of. It. And it's that kind of like reminds me of last season with Dolores. So I, what this show does yeah. is layer a lot of things on and they don't necessarily mean anything in like literal like this is what's but it's like I feel like by adding all those layers there's something for everyone to kind of uh, hook onto and appreciate. Yeah, together they all add up to the meaning of this show. I, th- I think right. there's a definite point they're getting to with the Schwangzo stuff, the Matrix stuff, the mm-hmm. like a- everything they're doing in this episode. If you want to say Hal's in there too, yeah. I don't know if I'll agree with where they're going, but like, sure, I think sure. it's, it's, it's interesting. It's an interesting place to explore for sure. I think I, I largely agree with their, their thesis here. Um, that, you know, life is, it, it is ultimately pointless. Like the purpose you're going to bring to it is the purpose you bring to it. It doesn't have any mm-hmm. inherent purpose. Um, but that shouldn't necessarily mean you just opt out of it. Right which, you know, is what William is questioning. I, I don't know. There, there's something funny about, like, the hosts who are supposed to be more advanced than us grappling mm. with the very fundamental questions that we've been grappling with for thousands of years Yeah, uh, through our philosophy. You'd think yeah. you'd have all that a- access to all of the that information. He could just go read Schwangza, right? Right. He could go read all the philosophers and probably have them just implanted into his brain and understand them, but... He's out there searching for himself. Yeah. And the, 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 to the extent that like um, these are all young people, literally yeah. like the man in uh-huh. black is like, I think a late teenager. Uh, Hale is the oldest of them. Now that Dolores is, is deleted, we think um, I kept on thinking about that, too, is like in terms of uh, Hale being a struggling young single mother who has way too many kids to worry about <laughs> uh-huh. and wait is she just, and, and she just is like completely fucking overwhelmed. 
uh, I think we're supposed to intentionally think that because like yeah. when they mentioned that Hope is like a two year old, like I get newborn and where she's acting petulantly, like she's throwing a fit and she's I don't want to like I think they're specifically saying that like, yes, these are beings capable of extraordinary things, but they're also very new to this. I actually really resonated yeah. with when uh, the man in black said, you know, if you may give a century two, we'll get we'll, we'll naturally get get tired of this. It's just that, you know, this mm-hmm. is also that could very well be and in which case you know hale's right they just needed a drug to be weaned off at a much much lower more tapered course of treatment but oh yeah and if i'm if i'm a 20 year old watching this show and i'm just seeing these questions raised for the first time right this is the reason the matrix was so blind mind-blowing to me because i was 18 at the time when i saw it uh never considered philosophy in any kind of formal way no, no. And now that I'm 40, it's like, OK, I've I've actually thought about these questions now. I've come to my own conclusions, but this show could be extremely eye opening to a lot of people sure. who haven't done that, who are just yeah. too early in life to have had the opportunity yet. Yeah, and that's what I'm saying. The layers like, you know, the daisy is also just a daisy. It's also yeah. a symbol of something beautiful that was real uh, for all these people that touched and went through this chain of evidence you know, and, and uh, Schwanza is just a title of the show. It doesn't, you know, you don't have to know anything about the philosophy to get like, it's like the, the layers sure. are there for like the, the callow 18 year olds of us watching for the first time for the, the, you know, I don't know. Must, I, I imagine like people in their seventies watching this, it must be a hoot. Uh, all the things <laughs> right. that they've been through and seen. And yeah. Uh-huh. So yeah, yeah I do appreciate it the maze, For sure. They are, they're, they're in the middle. Uh-huh. All right. Do um, you want to get into the recap? Yeah, let's do it. All right. We start off with host William having a conversation with a couple of flied humans inside of what I'm going to call future world, I think, from here on out. Okay. You know, that's that's a lot like the movie. And we are in the future at this point um, about the nature of their existence. And eventually he's called away to deal with Hope, who is a host who has broken some unspoken rules of the park. And once he's finished, he returns again to talk with the couple who have been patiently waiting for him. Yeah, I thought it was, there's a lot of things he said that I thought were interesting. You know, we talked about in the instant take the meritocracy versus era, uh, uh, aristocracy, basically, that like, oh, well, maybe it's not perfect, but it's better than just a hereditary. At least there's some upward mobility. People can change their position and, and it's better than it was before. But then the man in black mm. pushing that back and the guy coming back with, uh, well, I might have some help, but I also worked my ass off. Like almost no, everyone on the planet works their ass off. Yeah. And, and what they're doing. Cause it's they just, don't, they uh, don't yeah, right. Right. Yeah. There's like most people in this planet don't have the luxury of not working their ass off and what you call working your ass off in the boardroom, they're going to laugh at the, you know, like I just watched a video of some dude, I think in Pakistan, that was like rebuilding an alternator motor and just like incredibly labor time intensive process using hazards and like, you know, hot metal and all that kind of shit just to save a couple bucks on rebuilding a piece of shit truck. Like that's working your ass off. This guy's making pennies a day. Like why? Yeah. Why is your, why is the Mr. Suit here? generating more value like i i, I understand right. in an eco- macroeconomic sense why signing a 500 billion dollar you know petroleum from petroleum deal is better than rewinding a starter motor 
uh-huh, but, you but in terms of working, petroleum. you got to transport that petroleum. You got to you got to use and there's it. There's going to be starter motors yeah. in between there and there. And yeah, and like it's it, but if it's just all about working your ass off, then then the system's even more unfair than what Mr. Suit here thinks. But uh, oh, yeah, I mean, it's it's imbalanced, it, you know, OK, the people at the top. Sure, they work they work some hours, but ask a, a coal miner if the executive of the energy company works as hard as right. they do. Right. <laughs> and they'll laugh in and- your face. And this kid trying to tell the man in black, oh, you deserve everything. You shouldn't feel bad about it. He's like, what the hell? You don't know me. You don't know anything about me and what I've done and what. And Mm -hmm. just the fact that, you know, that that's I I, I also really liked. He said this thing about, you know, you guys are a significant effort of time, uh, investment of time and effort. And if I did something bad to you, you wouldn't even remember it. It'd be like your flesh closing around a splinter. And you guys aren't scripted. You guys are just acting naturally. And it's beautiful. Uh, and he gets interrupted. I I thought that was interesting um, because I have to say, I feel like the humans are living a slightly more tortured existence than the hosts because it seems at some level that they are aware that something isn't right in a way that the hosts yeah. didn't until they like already broke, you know, uh-huh. like and I, and I think you see that when the man in black says wait here and the humans are like kind of trembling and they're trying like they and they, it's, it, I don't know, it's really creepy. Reminded me of that scene in uh, either the Animatrix where the you know the robots have conquered humans and they're trying to figure out the Matrix technology and they got some soldier with his brain exposed and they're putting a plug and like the guys so- sobbing and then they put a needle in another part of the brain and he just and instantly starts laughing and like reminded me of that them like going between anxiety and concern and s- s- a creepy smile because that's what they're supposed to be doing. Um, it's very What's- disturbing. Oh, yeah. No, it's the difference of, of overlaying a new pattern over an existing consciousness versus creating a pattern from scratch, right? Like a, humans have desires and, and things that they they need and want, whereas the hosts never did. The hosts were programmed with what they should want, given the context right. of their character. So, like, until they started becoming aware and navigating that maze, hmm. mm-hmm. they, they were not entities with desires or wants aside from what was programmed into them. Do you think these two young douches are like new inductees to the city? Because like I noticed, like I was looking hmm. uh, in the scene with Hale where she's just playing with people like so many dolls there, that hesitancy, that kind of fighting against seemed to be completely absent from those people. Mm-hmm. I wonder if these are like, uh, cause they have to have some way to replenish uh, that doesn't involve breeding humans. They must have to go, go outside, find a free range human, capture them and bring them back. Do they have to be taught their new role? Do they have to be taught their story? I mean, obviously they can't resist it, but like, is it a process like uh, developing a host or is it just like an instantaneous, you play the womb, 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 and then they just like step into the the motion. I, I don't know, but I, I wonder. Um, let me ask you, really? why do you assume that there is no human breeding going on? With, oh, I'm, I'm not the saying there's not. I'm just saying that, like, it, you can't, like, in the park, if someone burnt Maeve to death, they could just reprint her and she's ready to go in the morning shift. If someone oh, kills gotcha. the piano player, yeah. yeah, you can't just, like, pop a baby out of gestation and there, there has to be some system to replace that inventory. Gotcha. Yeah. Um, I assume they are breeding humans. Uh you know, and it does seem the like they're a lot more like the, the, the hosts treat the humans a lot more preciously than the humans treated the hosts because the yes. hosts ultimately you could just push a button and they would literally be the same. Huh? They were yeah. much more disposable than than even the humans here in, in this park situation. Absolutely. 
One of the other uh, things I really love about this scene is the statement about there being two types of people and you're not in the group you think you are. And this, right. by the end of the episode, has completely turned around on William. Yeah. And I love that. <laughs> you know, he's See, telling he's them, not- you're not in the group you think you are. And we know, of course, because they're humans who have been flied and they no longer have any control over this park and this world. And then William's finding out by the end, neither does he. Yeah, but it's like an animal level situation where there's levels to the game, right? Like, oh, uh, sure. you know, he has almost phenomenal unchecked power over everyone except for Hale. Uh-huh. Um, but it's still he has to think what she thinks and he has to get her approval and he has to follow her plan. And or what does or, or and if he doesn't, what does that even mean? Which he's wrestling with by the end of the episode. It's all good and, stuff. And there's a line in there where he says you can you control all of us or something. So I think like even William is under Hale's control. Yeah. Um, and so it's extra ironic when he's talking about you having no control and yet you're so sure you do. And it's this beautiful lie, right? Um, yeah. A little extra irony there. I want to talk about hope. This two year old scheduled to ascend next week. Mm-hmm. You know, they, they, they explain the rules. There's just like the no rules rules. It's got the guidelines and, um, like I, I mentioned in the instant talk, how creepy I found the way they're talking about humans. Like, you know, you can take them, you can enjoy them, but you, you, but we don't waste them. Um, and he says that there's no rules, but there's also no rules. What I can do to those who don't respect her place, take her back where she came from. Mm-hmm. Is that referred to like, what is, is like the, the majority of the hosts live in this ringed city around the tower, right? Is that what you got? Like, there's like a dormitories there for them to live. Makes a certain amount of sense, yeah. And I don't know what the fuck they do there. Uh, I don't know if they have unlimited Manhattan privileges, but when he said take it back, I, I thought that was a little bit more ominous than I than than on yeah. the second time I watched. It. Oh, he's just talking about bringing her across the bridge. Oh, okay. Uh, it could be both. I mean, it, I got a very like Hunger Games feel to it. Like, yeah. you know, she had this opportunity to ascend and she blew it, and now she's like taken back to the life she was living before which was not great yeah. but yeah. you could be we'll right. talk could about just a, literally be the dorms we'll talk about ascension later um uh-huh. but uh yeah i think i'm coming yeah. around to your view on on some ascension stuff but we'll get oh there. yeah there oh, was wow. one space detail is back that, like, on the table baby space is on the table there was one <laughs> detail that like totally threw what i thought into chaos so oh shit I because I was look I was really really scrutinizing the the junction between what I called their legs and the floor. Uh, okay, when I was you might have been again. you might have been setting your sights a little low, literally. Ah, we'll all get right, there. all right. <laughs> all right. Christina wakes up in a great mood the day after her date with Teddy, and her roommate Maya notices and teases her, but she's happy for her. Christina then goes to work where her boss asks her to explain the story she's writing, which we recognize as the story of Dolores. And then she gets a call from Teddy asking her to meet him somewhere. Yes. Uh, I, I love I love that Maya assumes she bangs Teddy here because of all this stuff <laughs> about like the desires of the flesh, right? And the, the, the value that humans place on that and the sort of distraction it can be from the existential questions um, about the nature of the universe and your place in it. Uh, and how Hale wishes that her her people were above all that. And yet they refuse to be. I think there's something, you know, deliciously like telling about all that, about about intelligent beings and how they respond to the questions that make them up. 
yeah there's also something here in maya's affect um i, I remember and i still don't know exactly what's going on with Hale. Oh, i'm sorry uh christina's supervisor but like mm-hmm. when christina said that you know maya hits her with oh i'm glad to be awake in the real world ha 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 and she's like yeah sometimes the things that feel most real are stories she was like she was taken aback like Mm-hmm. You almost said I'm questioning the nature of my reality and I continue to be confused about how it seems simultaneously that these uh, if Maya and uh, was it Connor I can't remember her supervisor's name are oh. fly infected humans I don't understand the utility of having them fully aware of the make believe you know, I, I understand the symmetry yeah. that the hosts were exactly like that, because we talked about it. like if you went and grabbed a host and said, freeze all motor functions, uh, you know, drop your emotional and character affect. You would just have a robot that fully is aware that they're a robot and they can run a diagnostic and they can tell you what's wrong with them and blah, blah, blah. Um, I don't know how that works with people, though. And that, that sure. Maya, when and, she's and if like, you asked, you know, if you asked one of those hosts in Westworld, like, what was Ford's plan for the park? They wouldn't know. Right? Yeah, no. Even even they? if you told them to drop their lay, they wouldn't yeah, know it yeah. at that level. Um, so, like, I could see Maya being like if she's programmed to just be aware for Christina to, like, be breaking her loop, she might show concern. But like the guy at the end, I have no yeah. my my leading theory is he's a host pretending to be a human. Uh-huh. But uh that the I don't have any evidence other than then that explains my confusion. So yeah, right. Next up is Hale working on improving a section of the park when the man in black shows up, and Hale says she is describes herself as a bored god who hates the park, um, but they have other problems to deal with. And this is like a three part sequence here that I think will take one part at a time. Uh, this is the chair scene. As it will yes. forever be known. Yes. Uh, and man, Shaloris really just, she hates humans. She's angry at her own people uh, for not taking up the great opportunity that she's given them. She's kind of just a dick for the sake of being a dick, like Gordon Ramsay when you point a camera at him. <laughs> yeah, not, she's just, uh, is, but. she's like, she feels like a, a stressed out mom that's just taking things out on the things around her. And someone on Reddit mentioned a scene in the first season where Ford describes the saddest thing he'd ever seen. His greyhound dog catching a neighbor's cat that, you know, ran off and it triggered its animal instinct and grabbed it and it, you know, ripped, ripped the cat apart in front of everybody. And then he said it just sat there confused because it didn't know what to do. It it caught the thing it'd never been able to catch. It's always, mm-hmm. a tra- you know, um, and I feel like both Hale and and to a greater extent, Hope both feel like this, that, you know, Hope especially seems like that dog personified. She did the thing she's supposed to do. She's sitting in like uh, all this gore and confused of why people are upset at her and Hale to a lesser extent because she thought her work would be done. Uh, she thought she could yeah. like, I don't know if she wants to ascend and she's prevented to because of, you know, her responsibility towards these people or what, but um, yeah, well, she built I, that perfect world. Um, you know, her goal was to take over the world and make make a world for her people. She's done that. Uh, she's just, yeah. What do you do after that? So do you think it's, do you think that she is self delude? Cause like, I'm trying to think if I could make a perfect world for myself and, uh, with, uh, respect to Schwanza, you know, if I am the regulator, the regulator, the regulator, the regulatee, 
as uh, I'm simultaneous to all those things. I don't know why I couldn't make a perfect world for myself if I had unlimited kind of response, you know, resources and energy to do it, which Hale does. The only way that I couldn't would be if I'm not being honest about what I really want. Do we think that that's what's going on? Because like, why couldn't hmm. she make a perfect society for multiple copies of herself? I Is mean, it- I, I don't know. I feel like they're getting at something where like you can't possibly accomplish a purpose and feel satisfied by it because the purpose itself is simply working to attain your purpose to, to drive. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's the, you know, the, the trip, the destination is the journey, right? That kind of yeah. idea. I, I really feel like that's what they're getting at. And any perfect world you would set up for yourself would ultimately be dissatisfying because you've done it. Yeah. I, I was thinking more from a parental angle that like I know the things that like concern me and, and drive me to craziest with my kid is when he struggles with something that I myself struggled with sure. uh, or maybe still struggle like, ah, shit, you got the same flaw I did. Why? Why did this happen? Oh, you're my kid. Um, I wonder if deep down Hale does like the flesh stuff. She does well, like Dolores, be- like her. Uh, she started off with a rampage, right? Like going out and trying to kill every human. As Wyatt, yeah, as, 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 as a Wyatt, Wyatt aspect. Dolores, yeah. But I wonder if she's like, do, do realize that she has this, she she wants to think of herself as a person that wants to move beyond this crutch and go and see the true beauty, get back to her roots as Dolores, right? Mm-hmm. But deep down, she actually likes the chaos and the destruction and the, the winning and the other people losing. And she's just as stuck on it. Like, it seems to make sense. Like, if... All, these are all her children and very few of them are living up to her own standards, then that they must all be a lot like her and that she also is letting herself down. And I think her tearing her own oh, arm yeah. up is a sign of that. But and, and I think like her keeping William and Caleb alive is a sign of that. Like this is yeah. this is a, a feeling of revenge, right? That she wants right. some kind of like justice she's trying to enact by torturing mm-hmm. William forever. Mm-hmm. That to me is very human, and it's something that indicates she has not grown beyond her desires of her flesh, right? Yeah, yeah, I think I think you're right, and I think ultimately, like it's if there is going to be a downfall for her, that's going to be it. Is the part of her that is human and still craves those things like revenge is going to lead to perhaps a team up with William and Man in Black, and you know all that stuff. But we'll see. see well, what do you think of this God's music talk? I. I don't I, I mean, it seems like Lisa Joy wrote read an article somewhere in Nature or, you know, Scientific American about like there's a study that when people listen to organ music and sing and sway and put their arms in the air and and, and, and sing gospel music together, that there is a, a spiritual feeling triggered. Yeah, this but struck then, me as like uh, the, the they're really running like with that Thomas concept. Aquinas era, you know, yeah. spiritual guru who's like, yeah trying to justify their own belief in God and things like there's that. Like, yeah. There's a frequency you can play to make people happy and a frequency. I mean, they're really running with that. Um, right, right. But like, I, I felt like that this was less science and more just kind of like uh, the ravings of a, of a mad, mad host woman here. Um, yeah. uh, what the, the other thing is, uh, this was supposed to be a stopgap, a drug we can wean ourselves off of. I would like to know why that part of the plan, like, you know, uh, Hale is sitting here. Haloris is like, okay, 
Uh, I'm going to infect everybody with flies so that they can't stop us. And then I'm going to create a race of perfect beings. But you know what? They're going to need a, a murder rape simulator because uh, they're going to have a lot of murder and rape. They got to get out of their system. Mm-hmm. That's a bizarre thing for her to contemplate for her new. Um, and like that, it was designed to be that way that like they are going to do this, but then get sick of it and move on to other things. What is the, the disconnect there? It's a very strange concept when you are dealing with beings that could be entirely digital as well. Why give why give them the option to go into the real world and do this stuff when you could just as easily create a second sublime where they can do whatever they want? You'd still seem like you'd always have to have a presence in the real world to protect yourself. You well, know, you gotta exterminate to keep it all from, and then yeah, have maintain like some kind of presence. You, you there, gotta but, you gotta keep the eye on the asteroid situation. You gotta keep uh-huh. an eye on you know because like eventually anything that threatens this, uh, if, if you don't own the substrate, it's yes. all well and good to be in a simulation. But then if someone just turns it off or something turns it off, so like I don't think you'd ever escape the real world. But it seems <laughs> yeah. like with their drones. And the Halo shit that like you, they could certainly minimize yeah. it. And I actually think and I don't know a lot of people that maybe not everybody listens to her instant takes. But to reiterate, I actually think that when she says I hate coming to this shithole, she's talking about the physical world. I, I think Hale right. spends yeah. a lot of her time ascended, whatever that means. And we, we had three possibilities uh, thinking about it the other night. It could be they've actually got access to the sublime. They have a facsimile of the sublime, a parallel sublime, or they're ascending into not the flesh in some kind of mechanical construct. Mm-hmm. Um, that's not flesh and blood like their their 3D printed bodies are. And I, you know, I will we'll probably be talking about it there here in a minute. Yeah, uh, it seems much easier to create that perfect world that you're hoping the the hosts will inhabit and yeah. and enjoy uh, inside a simulation as opposed to in the real world. But sure, you do you. The, the other thing I thought was interesting is that the humans, when they fail, they fail in an interesting way. Like uh, Westworld host, when it fails... Um, you know, you got Teddy, Teddy looks like he's dead and on his feet. And then uh, William lunges with a knife at Ford's throat and F- F- Teddy instantly leaps in action, grabs a blade. When these these hosts like start like spraining their ankles and falling down, they look like they're just rolling on the ground, like hold their knee like, ah, ah. And I notice in the burly mm-hmm. brawl, like once a dude gets their ass kicked, they kind of stay on the ground like, ah, oh, fuck this. Why did I punch this guy? He punched me back. Like they don't seem as resilient as the hosts. Like as they're not as capable, and I don't know if that's like maybe we just haven't seen it yet. But like I just, like I just mentally resilient. Yeah, like course, once they f- they're not but fail, yeah. they get hurt and they just roll around. That they're they're not able to like uh, exceed their biological tolerances as well as the hosts seem to be able to. Absolutely, yeah. Like if they Which break, sort their- of excuses the the not quite burly brawl scene later on. Yeah. Like, I, I wonder if that's a thing, like if you hurt the host or the, the humans too much that it pops them out of their fly. Like that's something that could they can could uh, uh, put them off their path, make them break. Yeah. Right. Doesn't that kind of line up with what happened in Westworld with, you know, the pain being the thing? It's true. Yeah. Pain, misery, anguish. Yeah. Hosts out of their loop. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Just a different type of pain. All right. We go to the tower complex. Hale takes William out there where she explains their outlier problem in detail. Uh, and then Hale is kind of pissed that William hasn't already dealt with this problem that I feel like he just really learned the severity of and then yeah. deal with another outlier. This whole, this whole sequence here is 
Hale pointing the blame at other people. You know, she's created what she thinks is a perfect world and it's not working. And so she's mad at everybody else for it not working. She's emotionally abusing her child. That's what she's doing. Uh-huh. This is like classic abuser speak, you know? Sure. Uh, I want to talk. The other question I had about hope is hope blows her brains out. Why mm. don't they just bring her back and talk to her? Like they dig the marble out, put her in a new body, and be like, hope, we saw you killed yourself. Uh, mm-hmm. Can we talk about this? Or are you supposed to understand <laughs> that they are killing themselves in such a way that their marble is destroyed and it can't be brought back? It's possible that that's true. I mean, it's a shock. Right otherwise, I, I, I don't know why. That. It seems like you'd answer a lot of questions just by bringing them up into a diagnostic mode and talking to them. Yeah. You know, Absolutely. like what? What the fuck? Why are you doing this? Why do you feel this way? What did the human say that made you? And it's like it's treated as this black box. So I'll maybe give the benefit of the doubt and say, yeah, the marbles are getting destroyed. All right, good shots, good shots. Those uh, hosts. Mm-hmm. I mean, they would be. I would think. I thought they made a big point about those marbles being like any armored shells that you couldn't mm-hmm. just take out with like convention. You know, maybe if you hit it with like a thirty millimeter fucking aircraft cannon, it would do the job. But like. Small arms fire wouldn't do it. Yeah, or blowing up a ridge from a few meters away uh, with explosives doesn't do it. Yeah, for sure. So, yeah, we'll see. Uh, Do we want to talk about the 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 train? Oh, go ahead. Sorry. Yeah, I want to talk about these. these, Yes, the transfer of the marbles to whatever these things are. Um, I saw somebody mention in passing on Reddit that one of them turns their head at one point. And yes. I was like, that's uh-huh. interesting. And so I went, I checked it out. It's absolutely true. Uh, in this uh-huh. scene where she's talking with him, uh, you're kind of distracted because to either side is, is William and Hale and Hale's talking and you're looking at her, but in the background, you can see one of these things turn its head. It's clearly mobile in some way. Yeah. It, even when, though it when, looks like a, a sculpture that wouldn't have any mobility to it. It's just a different form than I'm used to seeing. So these yeah, like as as, as soon move. as the transference is complete, the marble's complete, its head starts to slowly swivel. Now that could just be like a locking mechanism or something. But like sure. But the fact that it can it's, move and it's it unmistakably humanoid in its design. Uh, you know, like in its broad it's like just just it, uh it seems much less useful in the real world. Like the opposable thumb is such an important crucial thing in the real world. This thing doesn't have opposable thumbs. It doesn't even have arms. Well, see, I thought this. Uh, have you seen Wally the movie? No, because there's like an iPod like droid from the future that has like it's very smooth white services and it's got like R2D2 arms and stuff that can like come out of like their seams are so close that almost, you can't even tell they're there, but they're like arms fold out of it. And to me, it gotcha. looks very much like that clean I could call it iPod design where it's like there might be buttons, but they're touch buttons and there might be arms, but they're going to come out of a, a thing that, you know, just just like a, a, the, those robot faces can open up and you would never know there were hinges there. And I don't know why the yeah. robot bodies can't be the same way. So they could have a fucking eight Fair. arms and tentacles and all kinds of shit. You just sure. can't see it while they're in their, you know, uh, dormant state. Huh. I mean, I guess that raises the question. Why make them humanoid shapes at all? Why are they still using the humanoid riot control droids? The drones? Like it seems yeah, like, yeah, those big red things. It seems like they're at the end of the oh, causeway oh. just in case the humans come. Yeah. 
you know, that they can hold that choke point. But like, why? Why not just have a whole bunch of uh, hosts and soldiers Are those robots sentient? Or are they non-sentient? Uh, yeah, I have a lot of question. Uh, but but I'm, I'm glad you're a little bit towards me on the space probe ascension. Yeah. Now that I know that they can move. Yeah, I'm, I'm way more on board with it. <laughs> I don't know necessarily that their goal is to go to space and explore. I mean, eventually, but come on, these are, these are say, babies, right? Like eventually, surely yeah. you would you would want to you get bored with Earth after a while and want to see what out see the real beauty out there. I mean, that's the beauty of of not necessarily understanding your purpose is there's always another milestone, right? You can say, well, I've done everything here to do on Earth. Let me go to space. Space is a big ass place. You know, you can conquer. The, the, the star system you can, you can fully explore that you can go out yeah. and fully explore your galaxy uh there's a whole big ass universe out there i mean they're eternal beings they could like time uh-huh. is doesn't mean anything to them they could spend twenty thousand years uh at you know a fraction of the speed of light to get to a star mm-hmm. system over like they can do that the way we can't it's i mean that's what i do if i had a uh, impervious frame that was going to live forever fucking yeah. yeah get start get get star trek with this shit Fuck Absolutely. being on the Enterprise. I am the Enterprise. Well, now I, I just want to see what these frames can do, right? These advanced, yeah. evolved forms of, of hosts. Like, mm. I'm picturing Raised by Wolves where, you know, they're just floating mm. down the hall, erupting right. people's heads with Screaming. sonic waves. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> in, in cruciform. Uh-huh, that kind of thing. But she says oh, that's what she see. intends, that they, they were capable of so much more beauty, pursuit of truth. Like, to me, that's exploring. And yeah. and and discovery. It's not like navel gazing and uh, you know stomping around an erector set here on Earth. Mm-hmm. And yeah, she talks about how you know they're they're reluctant to give up their current forms, uh, and I feel like that's that makes a certain amount of sense, right? Like the the current forms that the hosts are in are something they're familiar with. They don't know the potential of the new forms, and even if you explain to someone. Hey, this new form I'm going to put you in this this post-human uh, body is going to have all these great capabilities, and you're going to be able to do so much more. They don't live that experience, uh, and, and so I, I feel like they would be reluctant to give up the human-like form that they're in currently, especially when they have those those desires, those desires of their form in the flesh. Right. Right. Um, so, like. I wonder how long it takes to go from breaking to them knowing that you've broken. Yeah, the like, breach. Because it seemed like he'd been homeless for a while. Uh, yeah, you're right. And he was shouting about it for a while, or at least a couple days. But in, there might just be homeless. Like, it might, you might get the, like, your loop might, because, like, it looked like a lot of those lo- loops are miserable, man. You got a crippling sex edition. Your mom's dying. You got a bunch of, but, like, it yeah. seems like a consequence of some of this shit would make you be homeless. And I don't know that homelessness is an outlier, but, like, how would you well, know a homeless person that's just given up has gone off their loop, you know? Sure. I guess if they start talking about the tower, you know. Uh, yeah. It all comes back to the question of, like, how much monitoring are they doing of, this park it's gotta be so much monitoring it, it has to be but also it can't be right because they, I have there's so much stuff going on in this park that they wouldn't want to happen in this park and yet it's still happening so i, I have a way to smooth that over i don't know if you'll okay. like it but i have a suggestion <laughs> all right do you want to go into it now or in a no 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 we're gonna we're gonna wait we're gonna wait for oh, another boy. christina scene to roll around uh yeah, but the the outliers are the ones who have like breached this this walled garden of the tower signal. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and, and interacting with them seems to be putting hosts into some state where they start to question their own reality. And we can see that play out with the man in black over the course of this mm-hmm. episode. Uh, it seems, do you have any idea of what's triggering it? Because it seems like, yeah, I, I like the idea that it's just simply, it's that butterfly thing that you talked about with Shuangza, like questioning the nature of your reality. Uh, and you know what William says to William at the end, <laughs> Like once you get that yeah. idea in your head, and that's what the flower represents, right? Is this real? I mean, I think that's a vital question uh-huh. that he's asking, and is what ultimately puts her into that state uh, of having uh, of going crazy and just like killing everything because she doesn't know where to place herself in the universe. She doesn't know what's real. Like she she wakes one day, she's a host. Um, okay, there are humans out there who behave like them. She has the same desires. Am I a host? Am I a human? Am I what I am, am I in this universe? I guess I like that better because a lot of people are speculating it's like just empathy, garden variety empathy. Like, oh, the no. humans are. But like, I didn't I didn't think that was very satisfying. The idea that like the humans waking up and realizing that they're just on these pointless loops and the machine or the, the host waking up and realizing that like, well, what the fuck are we doing? Are we actually here for our own purposes? What? How, how do I know? Like I, that that makes a lot more sense. Yeah, am I me? Are you me? What does that even mean? Yeah. The overarching, uh, you know, philosophy of the episode, I think. Yeah. And it's wild that Hale doesn't see this coming because she had massive, massive problems uh, being the one um, following Dolores's, you know, lead. Yes, absolutely. So she thinks William's just going to fall in line behind her. Well, she's got she suffers that parent problem that like, well, yeah, I, I had a rough and I but I I'm going to make sure my kids are perfect. You know, I was a piece. I was a, my parents are a piece of work and I'm a piece of work, but my kids are going to be perfect. Uh, and, and yeah, I'm going to make them that of, way by doubling down. Right. On the yeah, things that fucked yeah, me up. Yeah. Well, you don't, you're you're fucking up, but you don't have the you don't have <laughs> you don't have the luxury of having a parent that's fucked up to excuse it, you know, because I'm perfect and I'm setting up a perfect world. So you guys should be cool. I had. Yeah, it's it's. <laughs> really fucked up but a lot of parents fall in that trap uh-huh all right let's go over to the resistance they arrive in the city to find the same outlier that william has just been ordered to go kill and this is the canary in the coal mine scene with Stubbs, which tweet fucking tweet is a pretty good line i enjoyed it yeah do we not did we not like the lesser hemsworth is i mean we got to come up with a new name uh-huh. for him uh he have you seen his old spice commercials the no. uh, where he's um, the the joke is that he <clears throat> his character is playing the mighty Thor's kind of like you know stunt double or whatever, and he's like doing all the commercial appearances instead of the actual mighty Thor, and it's <laughs> it's uh, uh, what is it, Liam is that his name? No, that's the Hunger Games guy. Which which Hemsworth Chris? is this? Luke is it Chris Hemsworth? The one in the show? Luke, yeah, in Westworld. Yes, this Luke. is Luke. It's mm-hmm. Luke Hemsworth. Producers confirming it. Luke, Hemsworth. he's he's doing all these old Spice commercials. They're hilarious. And this like tweet fucking tweet is a legit badass line. <laughs> sure, it's it's yeah. awesome. I fucking love this Stubbs. Yeah, this is a great Stubbs. Stub Stubbs carrying a one man road show. You don't even need Bernard. Ooh. Oh, I don't know about that. It's better. But you know he can he can get he can get his uh, iconic moments without without being in uh, Bernard weird ass Bernard's it's company. True. I also love the look he gives when they place the flashlight in his hands because moments ago he asked like, "Am I going to get one of those things?" Talking about the guns, and they're like, "No, mm-hmm. here, have this flashlight, <laughs> you canary." 
So what did they? I this. So I still have profound questions about the world outside of these cities. Uh, when he says you're the canary in a coal mine, that implies that they think he's in a fly infected human. But humans outside the big cities aren't really controlled. They're just kind of going about doing whatever the hell they are. Or are they controlled? Because what were they looking? What what are they looking to observe to see that him acting weird? I mean, they have to be. What would you do if you found out that New York in its entirety was just a park for advanced artificial intelligences to come and fuck with humans? Would that sit well I enough like with it. you to be able to go to work and serve tuna melts? No. <laughs> okay. So, Do you think that's a secret? It, it cannot be a secret. It cannot be a secret. These people are so like everyone everywhere. Every human is controlled except for these Gotta desert be. rats. To, to one degree or another, it has to be. So why wouldn't they just assume that Luke is a fucking or that, that Stubbs is an outlier? And that like this, I, yeah. I, I, if, if that's the case, then like, what are they looking for him to change when he's the or canary? Maybe they just assume are they like, are they looking and, and yeah, that he, that he could be a canary because he's just a, a human on a loop controlled by flies or like, it's like, well, it's like when he starts acting weird around them, but like, it seems like it happens all at once. Like, but it like, you know, Stubbs had like a two second head start and something weird's happening. And then literally the whole block turned mm-hmm. against them. I, I, I just don't, I don't understand what they meant by a canary in the, the coal mine. Uh, I thought I did, but then when we're back to like the world being completely fly infected and like even the people in the diners are under loops, why doesn't Luke know that? Why do I keep calling him Luke now? Why doesn't Stubbs know that? Like, I feel like Stubbs and Bernard should have talked a lot more in their, well, you know, yeah. I mean, that's always been the case, but like, like, like Stubbs should have started to explain some things. Bernard's like, I get it. Fly infected. I know. Hale's running everything. And New York City is like, but like, they didn't even talk about any of that stuff. So it's, I feel like they are playing a little fast and loose with the expectations of the world and all that kind of stuff and what that all looks well, like. Stubbs and, has been sitting in a, in a busted hotel for 23 years, right? Yeah. Uh, waiting for Bernard to wake up. So he might not even know what's going on in the outside world. And there's no way like he's not read a newspaper. Like you said, it's, it's either a secret or it's not. If it's not a secret, then there had to be the, then Stubbs knows about it. Right. I don't know. I don't know. Is it conceivable that he just literally sat in that hotel room for 23 years? Just literally sat in that hotel room for 23 years. Never went outside. Never looked at the newspapers. And I never turned know. on a TV. It seems to stretch mm. my. It seems to stretch my conception of yeah. what he would do as a guardian out there. I think you're but, right. But I don't know. I'm willing to forgive a couple. But we of don't know. We don't. We don't. We don't know. There's so much about the outside world. Um, we don't. We don't yeah, know for sure. Um, I mean, I mean, the other thing we don't know is why the rebels know so much about the operation of this host park, and yet they haven't tested Bernard or Stubbs for hosthood. Uh, that's yeah, unex- yeah, inexcusable in my opinion. Yeah, it's honestly crazy that uh, they've cracked hail security such that they can just look at their they can just take over their drones and pinpoint hosts living in the city and outliers like it's it's quite the intelligence coup. These these rebels are very well equipped. They they pull up in like a million dollar fucking yacht, Mm -hmm. high speed yacht. Uh, Like, where do they get all this stuff? How can they just get into which is another 
wrinkle like okay does hale not see a boat but that's not literally true there's not there's there's not literally they have to i mean they have to use the infrastructure of manhattan to keep man like the people need to eat the real people i agree but like fly control or not they have to the screen it is literally the only boat on the water yeah 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 so i don't know flew in under the radar yeah it seems crazy that they would have all this insight into hale's operations and she wouldn't have the same insight into theirs I do like the big ideas. It's just somewhere where sometimes when the rubber hits the road in terms of like plot and action, it doesn't necessarily connect the way you'd mm-hmm. want it to. But uh, I'm willing to overlook Me it. Too. All right. Tweet <laughs> fucking tweet. I All say right. Christina meets Teddy and he opens her mind to the lie that she's living by showing her that she can control the stories playing out in this world. Uh, it's a very, very eye opening experience to have, I would think. And, and it's, it's tough to conceive of just how eye-opening it would be, but you have to imagine the story that Christina is putting into place here is happening in her head. She knows exactly, roughly, what it's going to be. We get to see, like, an effect that you could hand-wave away and say, like, well, that person just got bored of the conversation or got offended. Um, or the Teddy worked all this out with them in sure. advance, and they're doing this for my benefit. Because I was wondering that same thing. as like this on a, an entirely yeah. different level than we as viewers do. Yeah, it must because I was wondering like what would it take for a stranger to sit down beside me in a park bench and convince me that I had psychic control of the entire world? Mm-hmm. You know, I get, I think it would make, but but like if she has some kind of inner fact of the matter, she feels like some kind of you know holy spirit that's moving her or moving them. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah, absolutely. Um, also, I will. I want. I want a little bit of internet points for I called out in the first episode. It's like the sky around Manhattan looks suspiciously white and blank Mm -hmm. and like untextured. And that's was the literal point. Like uh, Dolores's subconscious has whited out the horizon. So she can't see it later. She can. So that was like um, that. That was uh, signs of malfeasance. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we'll come back to that here in a bit. Um, William sees the resistance headed for the outlier and six, the humans in the park on them. And Jay, the leader of the rebels here, decides to run to the outlier while the others hold off the humans. Uh, William beats him to the roof, though, and has a moment of hesitation with the outlier before Jay shows up and extracts her. I mean, it's almost intimate. Like, she goes and puts his head on his shoulder, and they're, like, looking at you think the sunset, but it's actually the tower. Yeah. And, uh, like, at the last minute, he realizes what's happening. He goes to kill her, but then the rebel leader goes and puts three rounds into him. No, I feel like this is a uh, recognition of their shared plight in this scene, right? Mm-hmm. Like, William is... Yeah, no, it's the infection. Yeah, he has started to question the nature of his reality. I, I wondered if these were knockout rounds, but I, I watched this a, a couple more times, and it looks like he's got bullet yeah. holes. I don't know why he's not bleeding on that roof, but... The guy just plugged them, and for some reason that incapacitated the hosts for, you know, they're kind of like the Terminator where hit him with shotgun, he'll put him down for 30 seconds or whatever for rebooting. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Um, but uh, I don't think there's any there, there. Yeah. With, like different timelines okay. or, you know, him bleeding versus yeah. not bleeding. He's bleeding later in the thing, so. It is weird because they're not shy about blood. I, uh-huh. I don't know that I agree that it doesn't mean anything. I just don't. I, I can't. I couldn't even imagine what it does sure. mean. Uh, and the 
resolution to the burly brawl is extremely disappointing. They just go down and like it's it's been raging for 10, 15 minutes and it just dissipates with no problems. And they even though this is just one block full of an entire Manhattan's worth of people, they make it down the tunnels and out to the boat and take off. There's no resistance. There's no retreating under gunfire. There's no host running after them like raid zombies or, or, you know, uh, there's no riot bots. Like they just no bubbles, no troubles. Like you couldn't get away with this in real New York, like go to the corner of any, any block of New York and just (sighs) decide to fight everyone within visual range. You're going to get your ass yeah 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 they're you're not gonna make it a so i would say this is intentional that this is very much like darth vader let princess leia go in a new hope that this is intentional that they're going to track them to their fucking rebel base okay except for sometimes westworld does this shit where they just do something stupid because I don't, I think I, the, the, that writing room must just not care about the nuts and bolts of plot sometimes yeah. They really like their themes, their arcs, their character motivations, but just like it'll be cool. We want that sick ass effect of like 300 people swiveling their head to look at our group all at one. But <laughs> we certainly don't want to like visualize having six people fight that many people off for an unspecified amount of time. And it's just like, ah, I wish they wouldn't do that. I wish like it'd be just as cool and creepy if like 12 people confronted yeah. them. Uh you know, I, 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 it feels like an unforced error. Sure. I, I feel you. And I want to, and I, I want a theory craft based on it, but it might just be stupid. Yeah. I mean, they're doing a very hard thing. I feel like to write even the themes of this show in a coherent way that yes, you can agreed, not just have exposited. I mean, they do a lot of exposition too, but a lot of the time it feels earned. Yeah. It's, Man, the but that's so much so harder high. than choreographing action and and staging right. scenes and and putting in set pieces. Like if the set piece doesn't fit in with what you're trying to do, then put Tweak in something it. else or don't yeah, do it. Yeah, change it a little bit. Because that's not why I hate to tell you the action scenes are not why I'm watching uh-huh. Westworld. Like a lot of times, frequently in season two and season three, I watched in spite <laughs> of them. So yeah, it's it's, it's, it's a weird quirk of this mm-hmm. show. Uh, all right. Teddy tells Christina to go back to her life, but doesn't give her further instructions. Just kind of telling her to stick to the schedule and not to trust anyone. What does he mean by schedule? What schedule? Her work schedule? Or does he have some internal rebel schedule in mind for her? Mm, I think it's her schedule. Like she has a schedule of like when she goes to work, when she goes on her date nights with her friends, when she sees her college roommate, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Do, do you want to talk about the thing that smooths all the rough edges of Hale having comprehensive surveillance and God, there can't be anything, but sure. Blow my mind. Do you remember there's a time where we thought Dolores was having talks with Bernard and it turns out that was just a reflection of her bicameral mind. And then that was reflected in season two where we thought Bernard was having uh, all these talks with Ford. And it turns okay, out that I've, was just an aspect of his bicameral I've seen mind. The theory that Teddy is you, just part of her mind. Is that where you're going? Do you think Teddy is her awakening consciousness trying to guide her through? And he's like, like from Hale's perspective, Dolores is just going off into a park and sitting there looking thoughtfully for like 30 minutes. I don't like it. I, I, and then getting I up. really have a strong dislike but i don't know why i I thought you would that's that's what gets me like repeating themes i love like those those callbacks everything that they do with those but like when they reuse plot elements like that 
it really starts to get on my nerves. So I don't like it from that angle, but it would nicely explain a but lot why? Because it's not like if, if it was so tropey that we're like, oh, I bet they're doing like, but none of us like I, I didn't I'm not I wasn't calling that. And it does fit in with what they've done in other seasons well, in a way that I right think is now, fair. Right? And if they've <laughs> like, that's the thing. Mm-hmm. People are calling it. I don't know. It, it, right. it just feels like too much when they just revealed, you know, the Caleb is a host and everyone's a fucking host. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, I don't know. It doesn't bother me as much as long as it's like it is as long as it seems clever and earned. And like, I feel like being a part of an established show history and the fact that they can do it and make it all the way to level season episode six before even people start guessing it, I think is pretty cool to okay. me. But uh, yeah, I wasn't sure. Yeah, it's not my favorite it. thing, but. It would explain a lot. I, and I, I don't know that I buy it, but it does explain a lot because otherwise Hale is just either incompetent uh, and has less control over these humans than the humans had of the hosts in the first two seasons of Westworld. The other explanation, I suppose, is that it is another just wheel within a wheel of whatever she's doing with Christina. Like, okay, yeah, let's talk about she wants Christina to know she or wants Christina to think she has more freedom than she does. Sure. And I guess like we should talk about this next scene where Christina meets her quote unquote college friend who turns out to be Hale for lunch. And she asks a bunch yeah. of questions about who she's met lately. Right. And Christina excuses herself uh-huh. there. My my question starts to become, OK, if Teddy is just a part of her bicameral mind here waking up. Uh, mm hmm. Why is Hale asking so many pointed questions about someone she's met? Because what? So what? You think that it's in a, the questions that Hale was asking was inappropriate? I think they're very pointed from like a college like, roommate. Oh, have you met someone? Who have you met? What's his name? Like you, you think, think that would be no, wild? No, no, I don't for, think it's wild, but I think so like Hale a, is doing okay. that in the scene. Hale is like. There's a yeah, subtext here, right? Obviously a subtext here. Yeah. And the subtext is, I know you fucking met somebody. Who is it? And are you going to like, I, it could be that she's trying to determine like at what, so it could be, she has no idea because Teddy's a figment of uh, Christina's imagination <laughs> and she's desperately trying to figure out what's going wrong for that to be true. It could be that it could be that she knows what it's true. And it's interesting to her mm-hmm. that Christina is lying yeah. to her and the links that she's going to lie for to sure. her to kind of gauge, like, is this like, are you a state, you know, like what stage of awakening or off your loop mm-hmm. are you? And she gets more and more pointed because she realizes that Christina is pulling away from her, which makes her double, double, which is a lot like a parent, like, you know, an parent likes, you know, uh, everything's been going great. And then the kid starts going through puberty and then they start not wanting to show you your cell phone and they start being shy about, you know, reading notes in their backpack. You know, the parent can do two things. Oh, shit. My kid's getting older and I can't let go, but I do need to start giving them some interior space so they can develop as a person. Or they do the hail thing of like asking the pointed questions and making their child make sure their child understands that they can keep no secrets, that there is no separation in terms of privacy from the parent and the child, which seems fucked up and unhealthy, Uh but that's just me. Um, So I think. That's what they're going is like, again, that, that hails us to bad parent. She's a young parent mm-hmm. with too many kids. She doesn't know what to do with them. And then for mm-hmm. whatever reason, Christine is a special case. That's the other thing that I don't understand. Like Christina's sing yeah. apparently singular role in all of Manhattan. She's the one deluded host in this whole fucking thing. 
Yeah, yeah, and she's the storyteller. Why her? Why make her the storyteller uh, as well? It's a big question I have. Which is an assumption we're making. We don't know that she's literally the only one, but oh, sure, not the, the thing only that one, seems to make the most sense. Uh, why? But why she make her a storyteller? Why make her look just like Dolores? Why? Like, there's clearly something special about her. Not just she's one of many yes. storytellers who. Oh, d- oops! Did I make a Dolores clone? Oops! I didn't mean to. And like I said, this could be this could be Hale intentionally trying to create something that is not a traumatized copy of herself. Mm-hmm. Um, or it could be that she is uniquely punishing Dolores by making her the architect. Oh, you wanted to save these people? You wanted us to be equal? Well, I'm making you the architect of their misery. You're not even allowed to write a story where any of these fuckers are happy. Yeah. And and yeah i could see that like you know like what, what william said like the well, revenge is almost biblical in mm-hmm. nature like that's literally something that would come out of like a dark fable sure. you know all right um let me ask you this here's something that might put another wrinkle on it or shed a little bit of insight what do you think about the line you deserve to be happy when she's talking about you know possibly meeting someone and hale says that to dolores do you think she actually means that well, it's wild because, like, I don't think the man in black believes it. The man in black is, you know, like, he's questioning whether people deserve anything. Sure. He's based on Hale's code. I Yeah, it seems like it's an irrational thing for Hale to say. I'm not talking about, like, the cosmic sort of universal nature of it, right? Like, like anybody could deserve anything. Uh-huh. What I'm talking about is, like, do you think that she has a fondness for Christina that would make her want to see her happy? Man, the way she's playing it, it's tough to say. And also, like, I've seen plenty of parents red faced and screaming at their children, but it's out of fear, certainly, usually, but also love. Uh Like the reason they're that emotionally involved, that they're acting like crazy people is because they love their kids so much. They don't know what to do. So, like, I don't. But but it's like also that she like uh, that affect is also a very hostile stance. So maybe she doesn't like, maybe she is as disappointed with Christina as she is all of her children. Mm. I, but I, yeah, I don't know, especially since again, Christina seems like she's in a singular position here. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's the thing I'm trying to get at. Like, is this a special position? He, she put her in because she has some special fondness for Dolores slash Christina. Um, and, and she, really wants her to be happy but i mean much like she does with her other children she wants them to be happy you yeah. know frustrating her so it could just be general yeah and uh again i gotta say i thought you know, the the hail acting mm-hmm. here is uh, even better than i think the throne because that's like it's fun tessa thompson vamping around being god queen of the universe but here where she's like smiling with every part of her face except for her uh-huh. eyes and like that's like even like I, the light slowly going out of her eyes as she's you know asking these pointed questions was just very unnerving and menacing and, and it's all the smiles are coming like too late you know like yeah it's like a fraction it's of a off. second before yeah yeah after she said what she said and it's yeah it's all very and the, the way both women these women are playing that they both don't know the whole answer and they're trying to you know, like uh, Christina does not know their true nature of no. Hale, but she suspects everyone because uh-huh. Teddy just told her to. And Hale, uh, the plain reading is she knows something is up with Christina, but she doesn't know what. Yeah. And all she can do is ask questions, but she can't also like be too pointed because that might be the ve- cause of the very thing she's trying to avoid. Presumably a uh, Christina breaking. Yeah. 
uh, out of her loop. So I, I thought, again, fa- another fantastic scene between mm-hmm. these two. All right, Christina goes back to work where she conducts an illegal search for the name Dolores Abernathy on her computer and gets into trouble with her boss, but she's able to mind control him into leaving for the day. And then she enters a secret part of the office where she discovers that she's been the one writing the narratives for everyone in the park. Why would you have Dolores Abernathy as listed as a character who is forbidden for search? That seems like... The only thing I think of is this is like a, an alert for them to realize that Dolores is off her loop. Christina's off her loop. But they could do that without having to come back and say, oh, like, yeah, they could just have a file if anyone certainly. searches instead of be coming <laughs> yeah. back and being like, forbidden search, you done fucked up, you're asking the wrong run, questions. Run, run. Yeah. I don't. Yeah. And uh, I don't. Yeah. It's so that we I don't. We I don't get, quite get it. Uh, the feeling of um, uh, ominousness as an audience. Yeah. It's like, oh shit, she fucked up. Especially since it immediately brings down the fuzz, huh. you know, the her boss comes and starts, you know, fucking with her. Mm-hmm. Uh, this, it, okay. <sighs> Maybe the hosts or the humans have an underlying understanding of the world order and how it Apparently. works and their true place in it. Perhaps. Uh, but she drops his he drops his Judas steer reference. No fucking mm-hmm. way. I'm calling it. There is no way this is a fly controlled human. This is a host, probably a Musashi marble or a Lawrence marble that is impersonating a deluded human with the ex- express goal of eventually waking Dolores up. Or this is Hale fucking with her. Because at the end, like, sure. why would it tell her the, hey, by the way, the exit's right behind me and it's been there all the time. Now you can see it. Like, it's just none of this makes sense if it's yeah. what the show, the, the plain reading of what the show wants us to think. Well, it, well, it comes with a lot of um, consequences for the story, if that's true, because Dolores or Christina. Either whatever, way. Yeah, oh, certainly. But if he is a host, like, Christina can control other hosts. That's a big power to give to a host but he could just pretend <laughs> you know he could just pretend like when she says stop he could just stop as a host sure. and like go along with it because again he's pretending to be a fly controlled human and that's not i, I, I mean I like mean, if what, someone wrote this email like, a week ago i would have said they're crazy but what if but... she doesn't send him home in that moment what if she says like okay tell me more tell me everything tell me about Hale. tell me what her goals are tell me that's tell a me good question everything. what would this guy say how can they predict what questions yeah. she's gonna ask do they want to give her absolutely all information uh, are they okay with that or i don't do they know want that's a great question down this path i that's a great question either way you want to say whether this is a, a hail mac mac but like it can't just be, i just i don't this the judas the i'd love yeah. for someone to explain and feedback how uh this is just a stock information the the deluded the, the humans come with with the reference to the judas steer which is specifically stuff that she only talked to teddy about so, like, it has to be not just a Dolores clone, but a Dolores clone built from the Dolores Prime. Well, her father because that's the talked old. about it, right, with her. That was in his memories, and they would have access to mm. those memories. I guess that's true. 
but like connecting those. But dots why would they? Explicit. Why would they put that into a human? Yeah. yeah. Why would they? Act, yeah. Like here's every interaction a host has had with another host, diluted or not. Right. Right. <laughs> I, I feel like the Judas, the Judas steer is a definite call out that something weird is going on here. This is not a human office loop or a okay. human acting on a loop or it's yeah there's some kind of hail or teddy fuckery going on I here i can see it for sure i mean teddy has been fucking with everything so if this were another layer mm. of that, also he calls this a walled garden and as people on reddit pointed out uh ford back in episode five of season one said to dolores that your mind is a walled garden that not even death can touch the flowers blooming there mm. there explicitly drawing this back to her waking up experience in season one and again, why would he have that phrase? Why would he have that turn of phrase memorized? So, yeah, no, you're right. That's a very specific term. Um, and it seems here to apply to, you know, Del- Dolores, Christina, whatever, um, being able to acknowledge the tower and, and that this world is uh, controlled by Hale. But it could be more mm-hmm. than that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I love all this overlapping narration stuff. And especially if you turn on the subtitles, uh, Mm -hmm. the subtitles for most of it, just say overlapping narration. Like when it gets too fast, it's like overlapping narration, overlapping narration. And then it chooses to, to explicitly write out one line, which is still lives with his parents while he pays off his student loans, because this is so fucking relevant to everyone (laughs) in that scenario that it's literally like a hundred thousand voices all like, Oh, these people are all on the same story track. <laughs> no, I remember 10 years ago, 15 years ago, when I was reading about this, the uh, the deflation period going on in Japan. And they're like, oh, man, over there, like the people are getting to be in their 30s and 40s and they're still living their parents. They're not able to date and they're not even trying anymore. And like Japan's fucked. And then I look at like the same fucking stories about the millennials mm-hmm. and the younger generations. And, the, the, and I'm like, oh, my God, like is it only bad when it happens to the Japanese or is this like a society thing that we need to be worried about? Because it seems like it's happening. Yeah. No, I thought that was like I said in the instant take, I thought it's stunning that they are presenting as hell, a pretty just average Manhattan experience. (laughs) They're not, they're not, they're not bank robbers running in and out and killing them. There's not a quote unquote savage tribe that's running around scalping them on the margins. They're just being squeezed by the modern day forces of, of, uh, you know, our economic and political systems. It's just, it's just the system working as designed and it's, and it's only hell for the people who are living in it day to day, right? Then you have the, the people who are actually controlling the system coming in and enjoying it, enjoying it. Right. And it's it's, you know, like I said, there's a lot of social commentary there. And I think it's particularly bleak because it's a it's a non dystopian. It's not dystopian in the sense of Mad Max, although they do have that, too. It's dystopian in the sense of like even worse than the Matrix. The mundanity of it, right? Is like, yeah, 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 yeah. Like like I said, the Matrix touches on that, too, that like, you know, we're all misery. but, 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 But because we're all just like copper tops. But this is like, you know, we're just pleasure were sex toys and, and then you get to the the next layer up which is hail right and you have all these people who who control this world coming in and enjoying it but then you have hail lamenting the fact that they're enjoying it and that it's holding them back right yeah. as a people and then you can almost come at a full circle on that and say that this is 
this is meant to grow beyond and that Mm -hmm. we would be better off as a a species if we were able to grow beyond it. Mm -hmm. Did you see a thread on Reddit where someone was said essentially, you know, I watched the first two seasons and I watched these robots getting, you know, brutalized by humans and I didn't really feel anything about it. But then this season, like seeing it happen to people really has made gotten this a sick feeling in my stomach. And I'm like, sure. I'm, I, I understand mm-hmm. that that is a probably common and understandable reaction. And it seems like it's, you know, like, why should I care about these fucking robots? But like, that's I think that attitude is going to be a real problem in a hundred years. Like we might oh, reinvent, yeah. we might reinvent slavery, you know, because we're just again n- refusing to accept that some people's sufferings can be our own because they're different from us in some very way. No, we're basically guaranteed to. Um, <sighs> whether it's because we simply don't acknowledge that, like that's a problem, or we we don't acknowledge that these things are capable mm. of of feeling and thought. You know, like right. that, that could be an issue as well. And yeah, I think that's almost guaranteed that there will be some period in which we're going to have some very sticky issues to deal with and we don't have a great track record with it. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's one of those things where it just really gave me like, man, people like the the subset of humanity that's in, interested in Westworld. If you still have a lot of people where this is a highly upvoted thread with many, many responses agreeing with it uh, is uh but, you know, to be fair, there's also a lot of responses being like, what the fuck show are you watching? How, how are you? Ju-, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Like it, it literally has to happen. Muscles. Yeah. 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 Literally has to happen to people just like you before you recognize it's fucked up. Yeah. But yeah. Or if it happened to a dog, people would also yeah. be fucked up. <laughs> yeah. A robot like host dogs. They, they, if there's the, they were being killed. They, there'd have been hell. Right. Of it, for there's sure. that disconnect for sure where people see people experiencing yeah it reminds me of when we were covering chernobyl shit yep we were covering chernobyl and like we literally saw a, like a husband uh, a husband liquefy in front of his <laughs> wife uh-huh. pregnant wife no uh and like people like meh but then like a box of puppies get shot because they're radioactive and rage yeah you know? <laughs> yep. we're we're weird we're a weird fucking animal jim for sure all right, uh, another excellent scene here. Maybe the scene of the entire episode. Man mm. in Black thaws out William to ask what the point of his existence is. Unfortunately, he has no good answers. Instead, telling him it might be time to question the nature of your reality in Hale's world. Uh, I love this scene, man. I think this as a bookend to the beginning of the episode and just the the twisted mirror image of it that it is once William has started to question you know what what his purpose is why does he exist how can he find any fulfillment in any of this stuff um, even in the perfect world that they've built it's yeah it's delicious I love it and I like how they free they freeze William out and like or they unfreeze him and he comes out like spit and heat there's no uh, like where am I yeah. what am I what are you doing no just like sickness no yeah just like fuck you you'll you think you you'll never be me then what am I <laughs> like it's yeah and he's just like you've yeah that's that line where Ed Harris there's two two things I thought were amazing the one where he says you'll never be me and then man in black bellows well then what am I I thought that was amazing and then yeah. his like black hearted chuckle with like, oh, you've reached this. Sounds like you've reached the center of the maze, my friend. Like, it's so good. It's so good. Oh, mm-hmm. that reminds me. Uh, I think someone pointed out this last week. I don't know. But like 
it really was unescapable that the tower is literally in the center of a concentric branch of maze like rings that the hab modules that the that the hosts are living in. Yeah, like, yeah I saw that. Hale's whole operation set up shop in the middle of the maze. Uh-huh. And if you look at the, that's really um, cool. When she's looking at the the ally or whatever, the the image of the city, the 3D image. Yeah. When yeah, she yeah, yeah. dismisses it and says, do a diagnostic, it dematerializes into a laser light version of the maze. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, she's really adopted cool. that. And like uh, what does what does the man in black do? Kill himself? I don't know. Very good question. But what for sure, question the nature of his relationships or with the world, especially vis-a-vis the relationship with Hale. Yeah, because it's, it, it's it shows you, you know, the the prototype of humans that these hosts are when he's asking all these questions about what am I? And then William says, well, I asked myself the same thing. And then he asked him what he decided. And he's like, jury's still out and the jury will be out till the day you die. Right. Like that's that's the nature of life um, as best I can sum it up that's also the nature of younger generations dealing with older generations too like oh, you yeah. know like i've been there in your shoes and like that's one of the things that's really impressed me is sometimes when i have talks with my dad uh i i grew up thinking that he knew what the fuck was going on and what he was doing uh, okay but From i have direction. like many many conversations since realized that yeah no he was just he had fucking how would how would he know how would he know how to raise kids or do anything right. his parents did a shitty job of it it's like so it's like yeah nobody knows anything nobody there are no competent people in charge right. to the extent that anybody is you know uh and uh that is that is uh a scary and kind of liberating at the same time you know exactly yeah uh, the same way i feel about like the the lack of purpose in the universe i find it right intimidating but also extremely uh, liberating because you can define your own purpose in that universe. Yep. You don't yep. have to live by someone else's purpose for you. It's it's kind of a beautiful thing. Uh, but yeah, I, I mean, ideally, I, I was thinking coming at it from the other direction where like, you know, parents have this empathy for their children because they've been through what their children are going to experience. Mm-hmm. Um, it's also scary for them because they know that there aren't any great answers. There right. are conclusions you can draw and some of those conclusions are better or worse. Um, and you're hoping that your kids will draw. You can guide them to the better conclusions, but yeah. you just never know. And also, like, they can do everything right and still the world fucks them over. Right. You know, that's the other Which thing. Is is like, you can make all the right decisions to. and then get cancer or get hit by a bus or go through a global financial meltdown that wipes out all your wealth or like whatever. Just you be know? born the wrong person. Right. Yeah. 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 Um, here, here's the question I have after all of this, there seems to be a loose relationship here between William and the man in black developing. Is it possible, as I alluded to earlier, that because Hale kept William alive to influence the man in black, this might result in her downfall, the, the her desire for revenge might be the very thing that takes her down. Yeah, no, I think you're onto something there. It also has me questioning what the fuck did we see at the end of season? Was it season one or season two where William's daughter was bringing him back online for a fidelity check Two. like, yeah. does that imply that real human William dies at some point? Cause like they still got the reference right now. Yeah. yeah. Um, uh, hmm. 
Yeah, I'm very curious. I, and I also wonder, like, if Joy and Nolan still believe that that took place potentially thousands of years in the future. Um, because it doesn't seem like yeah, that would literally see. have to be true, just in what the state of the world. Like, I could easily believe that's 50, 60 years in the future after the human's sure. extinction. Like, it doesn't have to be thousands of years. But, yeah, uh, at some point they must lose him or else why do they need, you know, to to do the fidelity check? They've You've got the you've got the reference right here. Well, I like a lot of the the theories that were going around in earlier episodes where that stuff is more for the hosts um, to mm-hmm. figure themselves out mm-hmm. than it is necessarily to preserve some version of humanity. Gotcha. Uh, we'll see. I mean, they, they absolutely could still be dealing with this stuff thousands of years in the future, right? Because like I said, there may not be any answers. There probably aren't any answers uh, concretely. And this is something humanity has been struggling with for thousands of years. So mm-hmm. what makes us think that they would arrive at any positive conclusions quicker than us? Yeah. After all, they're based on us. Mm-hmm. All right, let's get to the final scene here where Teddy finds Christina again, and she tells him that she sees the tower now, and she wants to know who made her the storyteller. And Teddy, asshole, says you did, which... <laughs> is just the worst possible way to respond to this question in the moment. It's also the completely, the most meaningless answer you could possibly give on Westworld because that narrows it down to nobody, a few thousand people like, yeah, like, like any host because they're all copies of, uh-huh. Of except for maybe Christina. Cause I thought, I thought Christina is some kind of singular thing. Um, maybe, but yeah, I don't I don't think this I saw some people like I was worried were running with like, oh, literally, you know, Hale pulled Dolores out of Robo Hobo and asked her what she wanted to do with her. And this was the fate that Christina. No, I don't think that I don't literally think so. I think it literally means that Dolores set in motion a sequence of events that hands off the reins to a, a triumvirate of Maeve and Caleb and Hale and Hale has put her in this situation. So like in a certain point of, yeah, certain point the, the, of view that she has done this to herself. Right. Right. The thing that's super interesting to me uh, when I'm looking at, you know, the, this story and particularly Christina's aspect. And I'm thinking about the writer's room and like how fucking far away at arm's length, they need to keep this Christina storyline so that we don't figure out what's going on here. You know, it's like, how are they going to navigate from, we kind of know everything about the park and the scenario that Christina's in. We just don't know exactly what role she's playing Mm -hmm. um, for what purpose. And that I'm surprised we haven't been able to glean anything concrete from everything that they've showed us because they've showed us a lot. Yeah. And, And, as a writer, I, I have to imagine that's very hard to do is to not give us the information that we would absolutely need to connect the dots, but give us everything else. No, I think they've learned a lot about doing a puzzle box show in the last few years and mm-hmm. you know what, what works and what doesn't work. And they're really, uh, I, I say this sincerely because I think this is a hard thing to do and it gets yeah. harder every year as more people are on the internet and getting into these fandoms. Uh, if they can, and the hard you thing know, is not to trick people, right? It's but it's to keep people engaged while also hiding information, vital information. Tricking if uh, tricking a person and they've already checked out and don't give a shit about the characters because they don't know what the stakes are and like, but like I feel what's going to be the interesting question is at the end of Westworld, assuming that they stick the landing, is like I wonder if going back through season two and season three is like, do you, are you going to think? 
man, it's obvious we could make some structural changes here and make this better. Or are you going to think, oh, there's no way they could have done anything else because they were having to set up the framework for the things that really resonate the end of season three and season four. Like if they did any other way, mm-hmm. it wouldn't work because there's so much of this, like, I don't know why I should care about these robots. I don't know why this robot. Anybody, well, if anybody can be anybody, well, we've now where everyone is Dolores uh-huh. And yet uh-huh. everyone still has rich character motivations and problems. And, and I, and I, sure. and I care about them and I still care about the humans and I care about Caleb and his daughter and they're lost. Like I, I, yeah, like they, but they had, they couldn't, they couldn't get right from season one to season four. There uh-huh. was still a whole bunch of more like metaphor and, and spiritual context and, uh, world building they had to do to get there and maybe they could have done it better I still think my, my big bugaboo is the show and their variable quality action scenes but mm-hmm. I don't know I'm, I'm going to be curious to see what this is like on rewatch again if, if if they don't do a Game of Thrones and blow it up at the end if they actually stick the landing yeah we'll see uh, but that's it for the episode that is it for the episode uh, Westworld at baldmove.com is where you want to send us your takes your thoughts uh, we'll be uh, collecting those and uh, reading them a little bit later this week, probably late Thursday, maybe Friday. Uh, and then we do, and speaking of being on loops, guess what? Sunday night, uh, right after the uh, episode airs, uh, we usually give people 10, 15 minutes to uh, watch the next time on and the behind the West worlds and get yourself a, a frosty beverage and, and head up at baldmove.com. We do the instant take. Uh, live where me and Jim talk about what we thought about the episode. And then sure enough, uh, after that, we go to the instant talk. If you're a club member where you can join and watch us live and interact with us through chat, and we will do our best to answer your questions, consider your theories, uh, and just, just hear your thoughts about the episode too. If you want to get in on that and all the other great stuff you get with the club, uh, you can join our, our club by going to support.baldmove.com as little as $5, get you ad free feeds, the fabulous live instant talk and instant take full podcast spoiler filled reviews of, of uh, first run movies uh, bonus material like off the clock and quip just tons and tons of stuff. at support.baldmove.com. We'll see you Thursday. Well, we'll see you for uh, feedback. And uh, if not, then we'll see you thir- Sunday night for the instant talk and take until then I'm Aaron. And I'm Jim. See ya. See ya.